understand this morning's reading can be found from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. That's Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered, As Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Morning everyone, we're in Mark chapter 11 now of course as we follow through the events of the first Easter weekend both today and of course over the Easter weekend next weekend. Uh, So I hope you've got your Bibles open and let's pray and ask for God's help to understand this passage this morning. Let's pray. Father we always want to thank you for the Bible and we pray now that as we come to your word you would speak to us. Uh, and change our hearts, we pray, and change our lives, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, when I was at school, just about the, the only subject I was any good at was geography. And one of the geography teachers was a man called John Dews. And he was mainly involved in the uh, the other stream of A-level geography, so uh, he never actually taught me, uh, but I did know him. And after I became a Christian as a teenager, uh, about 17, 18 time, I joined the Christian Union. John was a Christian, and we uh, got to know him a little bit better then. He was a lovely, gentle guy, uh, quite unassuming, quite quiet, um, but I never really knew him. And uh, that all changed when we had a staff first 11 cricket match and John opened the batting and he effortlessly scored 50 and then retired because he was just so so good so much better than any of the school first 11 fast bowlers for instance and uh, and then I began to find out a little bit more about John apparently he was actually rather good because he opened the batting for Middlesex and England uh, in fact, he opened the batting for England in, uh, uh, in an Ashes series against the likes of Lindwall and Miller, uh, these two great Australian fast bowlers. And that was in the days before helmets and arm guards and chest protectors and so on. And, uh, uh, and he played in Don Bradman's final test in 1948 at the Oval. In fact, uh, John also held the world record for many, many years for the, uh, the highest score 
for a second wicket partnership with a guy called um, uh, Hubert Doggart, and they scored 429 undefeated uh, for a second wicket partnership. He was just an extraordinarily good batsman, and the John Dews I never really knew. Well, uh, for many of us, as we uh, come up to this week before Easter, and we're looking at this passage this morning about Jesus entering Jerusalem uh, on a colt, on an ass, on the uh, uh, most likely as a foal of a donkey, and uh, and here he is, and the crowd's going crazy. But as we're about to see, they never really knew him. What kind of a leader, what kind of a messiah was this? They had a very different idea from the Jesus uh, who they were seeing uh, coming into Jerusalem on that first ever Palm Sunday. They never really knew who Jesus was. They never really knew what he'd come to do. They never really knew what kind of king, what kind of messiah, what kind of saviour he was. And we call it the triumphal entry. But I wonder what Jesus would have called it that. I mean, the Christian church has called it that, but would Jesus have called it that? Well, I think we'll find out as we go through. I'm really not quite so sure. So, anyway, Mark chapter 11, and uh, I think we'll see that he was the Jesus they never really knew. And I think it's a challenge for us as well, because we see Jesus here, and is he also the Jesus that you and I never really knew is there something about jesus here which is new for us which is new for us to understand new for us to learn and to take on board and to change our lives we're going to find out i trust what jesus a little bit more about what jesus is really like so for instance if you could give say seven words which would describe jesus and you had to write them down now i wonder what they would be and then I wonder if you would be prepared to change them after what we're going to learn in the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Maybe you'd write down seven words now if you have a pencil and paper. And might they change just slightly from what we hear this morning in this sermon? So here's Jesus. He's on his way from Jericho to Jerusalem. They're about 12 miles apart, Jericho and Jerusalem. Jericho is very low-lying. Jerusalem is quite high. They're about 4,000 feet in terms of the height difference between the two. And as you're going from one to the other, you get to this ridge, this north-south ridge to the east of Jerusalem. That's the Mount of Olives. There the vegetation changes. And there, as you arrive in the Mount of Olives, that's the first time you actually can see the city of Jerusalem. And then Jesus goes down. Uh, he's made this arrangement about this donkey. And he goes down into Jerusalem. As, as we can read here, the crowds are shouting out, Hosanna, verse 9. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And, uh, uh, and, and as they went down, and as they saw Jerusalem from the, from the Mount of Olives there, they would have seen the place was absolutely clogged. The roads were packed, they were heaving. The paths, you couldn't get past people because there were tens of thousands of people had arrived in Jerusalem. The Jewish folk coming to Jerusalem for one of their three festivals each year uh, that required uh, them to be there for those festivals. It was absolutely heaving. And now look at the beginning of the passage. 
Uh, and we have Jesus says to them, go uh, to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Now, we don't know if that was an arrangement that Jesus had made. We don't know maybe if the owner of the colt had actually uh, been with Jesus, or maybe it was some kind of supernatural thing going on. We don't know, and frankly, it doesn't really matter. It's not the main point. It's not the main thing that is going on here. But we do know that when the disciples went... Um, it happened exactly as Jesus said. So you look at verse 4, they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied to the doorway, Uh, then as they untied it, some people standing there asked, why are you doing and untying the colt? And it was just as Jesus said, and they brought the colt to Jesus, this baby donkey, uh, and he rode that into Jerusalem. Now, um, the important thing is that whether it's a, a, a colt, an ass, a baby donkey, whatever exactly it is, the important thing is what it isn't. It is not a horse. Now, <laughs> that might, that might uh, sound a slightly strange thing to say, but it's not a horse. Now, uh, if Jesus had been the great military leader, the one coming to uh, free this occupied country to lead some kind of rebellion against the Romans, he would most likely have been coming down on a great big white charger. Um, And, uh, uh, I mean, leaders, that's what leaders, that's what messiahs rode. So Alexander the Great, for instance, rode on a horse. Um, um, Antiochus Epiphanes, 200 years before, rode a horse. The Caesars rode horses. Egyptian pharaohs had chariots pulled by horses. Horses were your favoured form of transport if you were a great leader in those days. And Jesus doesn't use one. He comes on a donkey, on a baby donkey. I imagine as he was uh, astride it, it was a young donkey. Maybe his feet were uh, just dragging along the ground there. Um, There are proverbs about asses. So, for instance, uh, asses die and wolves bury them. Asses carry oats. Horses eat them. The asses that carry wine, or the ass that carries wine, drinks water. Now, now what does does this mean? What does all this business about the ass? Why is that so significant? Well, in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, it's a passage about peace, about the forthcoming peace. And it says this, See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And in that passage about peace and meekness, Jesus is deliberately fulfilling it. So you've got to say, why do we call this a triumphal entry? Maybe because this Jesus is a Jesus we never really knew. Now, he's not coming to Jerusalem as a great victorious general. The ass tells us he's coming in meekness and in peace. He's coming as a lamb to the slaughter, not as a victorious king. And this takes us to our first point. Of course, he will be the victorious king, but at this point, he is the lamb to the slaughter. But our first point is this. For us, marvel marvel at the peaceful, eternity-changing king. He comes in humility and he comes in peace. Uh, And at this moment, not a great victory procession. We've all heard of D-Day. And I imagine uh, many of us too have heard of the battle for Normandy, which was actually uh, more difficult for the Allied forces and for the Germans who were seeking to protect that. 
Um, but it was, it was one of those great battles for Normandy, and uh, there, was, there were many more lives lost during that than on D-Day itself. And uh, uh, one night, um, in fact it was just coming up to the early dawn, there was a, a particularly heavy mist that autumn, and the Allied troops came very close to the German lines, uh, and they were there, and on the right-hand side there was uh, a farmhouse, and then there was a, a kind of no-man's land between uh, the Allied uh, forces and the German forces and as the sun came up and the mist began to lift the bullets began to fly and the farmhouse was hit by an incendiary uh, and it caught fire and then to the astonishment of both sides a baby crawled out of the farmhouse and crawled through no man's land and they stopped firing and there was peace there for a few minutes as they both sides watched this baby crawl uh, through no man's land, away from the burning farmhouse. And then suddenly one of the soldiers ran from his dugout, grabbed the baby and ran back to the dugout. And, you know, there was a cheer from both sides as he brought that baby to safety. Ten seconds later, the firing resumed. But the baby had been brought to safety. Uh, but he had brought peace for just a few minutes during the Battle of Normandy at the end of 1944. Now, Jesus came in peace, and he came to bring peace, not just for a few moments, but actually for an eternity. And there, there, is, there is something uh, at the moment with this coronavirus, isn't there, that people are very, very concerned And Christian people, we need to be people who have about us a peace because we're assured of our eternity. We know our eternity beyond death is secure and therefore that affects our life now. And we need to be taking and praying for opportunities to be telling people about that. That is very, very important. But we need to know that Jesus came to bring peace. He came in peace to Jerusalem and he came to bring peace for us and a peaceful eternity being right with God. and the assurance of a wonderful, wonderful future. And let's pray that we may be able to uh, appropriately encourage and help and tell people uh, about this peace that Jesus brings. Now, what goes on then? Well, we need to see uh, what the crowds did and what they cried out. So have a look at verses 8 to 10. Verse 8, first of all, many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Um, Now, cloaks you 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 wouldn't do that for your family or your friends but you would do it for the king and then these uh, 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 branches possibly palm branches maybe uh, bits of straw and so on they're cut in the fields and uh, again you wouldn't do do that for your family and friends but you would do it for the king so in verse 9 many people spread their cloaks on the road this is verse 8 while others spread branches they had cut in the fields and then people were shouting So, verse 9, those who went uh, ahead and those who followed, and I imagine that would have included the disciples, shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Um, That kind of shouting apparently happened 200 years before, when Judas Maccabeus had defeated the Syrian king Antiochus Epiphanes. He rode into Jerusalem, not on a donkey, but on a white stallion. And people were shouting those things at him as their saviour, as their messiah, even. 
The crowds are saying, here's Jesus here, this is the king coming, uh, and they're right. And Jesus uh, would have accepted that. The question is, though, what sort of a king? What sort of a king? Riding on a young donkey, a peaceful king who changes eternity. But how is he going to do that? Well, look at verse 9 again. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And just before that, the word Hosanna. And it's in verse 10 there as well. Hosanna in the highest heaven. It means save. That's what they wanted. That's what they needed. Jesus to save them from the occupying Romans. But there's more. Look at the end of verse 9 again, where it says this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, Literally, that means welcome. So in those days, if if someone was coming around to your place for dinner, you'd open the door and you would say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was your way of saying welcome to them. And, uh, uh, And it's saying, welcome to the kingdom of our father David. The crowds are crying out, save. The crowds are crying out, welcome. You're bringing the kingdom. You're welcome here. Welcome to the coming kingdom. So why is he riding a donkey? No idea. Couldn't he find a horse? Possibly not. Anyone got a spare horse for him? No. You see, why is he riding a donkey? What's going on here? Why is he riding a donkey? He's been welcomed to a city which would soon crucify him. He's the Jesus they never really knew. He's coming humbly. He's coming peacefully. He's coming to change eternity. And we... No, as we look back on that day, he's coming as a lamb to the slaughter so that our eternities may be changed and so that we may have confidence even facing death. And we know that uh, COVID-19, it is going to get worse. And the confidence that we have actually should be a confidence that we want to share with other people. And we know that there are many folks who who, uh, listen to these services online. Maybe it's Sunday morning, you've got up this morning and you're thinking, oh, I just see what that banner is like outside Bishop Hangerson Church. Let's have a go. We want to say that Christianity has the most staggeringly wonderful news to give us confidence about the future, confidence for eternity, a heaven spent with Jesus for all time. And if you'd like to find out more, do get in touch with us through our church website and, and we can phone you up. We'll have a good chat and, uh, and help you uh, along that road if you'd like to do that. So first, marvel. That's what Christians need to do. This is extraordinary. This is what, this is what Jesus, uh, our Lord and our King and our Saviour, our, our peaceful, eternity-changing Saviour is doing, coming to Jerusalem. But the second thing is this. Learn about the unknown King. Because it could be still for us that that Jesus is, there are things we need to learn, we need to grow, we need to find out more about him. And one of the things about this COVID-19 is uh, that for many of us, there is a bit more time. Maybe uh, really sadly, uh, you're you're, um, uh, down on the number of hours you work, or maybe uh, uh, you're not able to work at all, not from home, not nowhere. Uh, But the, the one advantage is there is more time. Uh, Of course, that's not true for all of us. Some of us, maybe we're looking after uh, children now at home, homeschooling, whatever, uh, and that can be quite a challenge, can't it? Uh, And maybe we feel there's just less time. But if we have more time, 
Could we use that well? It seems to me if we have more time on our hands, we need to be quite disciplined and organised about it and maybe say, well, I'm going to, for instance, I could read one of the Gospels. I could read all the way through Mark's Gospel. Um, it takes about an hour. What, two hours if you're going slowly? But why not do it in little 20-minute chunks? Six days? Why not do that? What a good way to use a bit of spare t- extra time that we've got. Or read other books about Jesus. Um, I love this one, uh, Original Jesus, by a guy called Carl Lafferton, who works for a good book company. Uh, a very helpful. The subtitle here is What He Really Did and Why It Really Matters. Or here's one by Roger Carswell, Who Is Jesus? If you want to find out more about Jesus, a very, very good book. If you'd like to read either of those, uh, you can borrow mine, let me know, or uh, uh, we can get them for you. Uh, let us know in the church office. Or if you want to know more about God, but also the God who became a man, then this book by Andrew Wilson is a lovely way of writing incomparable explorations in the character of God. If we have more time to read, let's use this time well, um, because we do need to learn more, don't we? We've got to find out more about Jesus. I love the story about the converted slave trader, John Newton, uh, hymn writer, uh, a parish vicar as well and towards the end of his life he was scarcely able to string together two sentences for a sermon and one day even that ability failed him as he uh, went up into his pulpit at his church and he said I've forgotten what I was going to say except that I'm a great sinner and Jesus is a great saviour I'm a great sinner and Jesus is a great saviour that's the fundamental thing That's what needs to be close to our hearts and in our minds. That's what we want to tell other people. I'm a great sinner. I've got a great saviour. And I want to learn more about him. I want to find out how he saved me and how I can live for him and so on. And for the Jews, as Jesus was going into Jerusalem, they didn't understand. They didn't know. He was the unknown king. They needed to learn. They needed to change their minds. They needed to change their thinking. And I suspect also for Jesus' disciples. They'd have been around him, before him, after him, beside him. And they'd have been joining in with the shouting too. But actually, there were a lot of things to learn. John's Gospel makes it pretty clear, actually, that they didn't really get it until later on, the disciples. And maybe for us, there's a bit of getting it that we need to do as well. Learning, relearning, understanding, growing in our, uh, in our faith, in our understanding of Jesus. Um, for Jesus, what was he thinking at that time? They really don't know, do they? They really don't know what they're saying. They really don't understand this. They don't really understand what kind of a king I am. For them, am I still the unknown king? It was Benjamin Disraeli who was um, Chancellor and uh, then later on he became the Prime Minister in 1868 and then uh, for a longer spell from 1874. And, And he said this, to be conscious that you are ignorant is a great step to knowledge. I think for all of us, let's let's lay down our thoughts that we know it all uh, and let's say, Lord, I want to learn more about you. I don't want you to be the unknown king. I don't want you to be the Jesus I never really knew. Please, Lord, at this time, perhaps especially, would you help me to learn more about you? Well, that's uh, uh, the need to learn about the unknown king. Jesus, the king with the kingdom. You look in verse 3. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it. 
and we'll send it back here shortly. Uh, in verse 9, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowds are calling out about a kingdom in verse 10 there. And the king, the real king, is not just, he's not just a constitutional figurehead, but he has real and genuine power and authority to change things, to command and to expect to be obeyed. And something that we often underestimate King Jesus is just as this simple, straightforward authority. I love this um, conversation that happened uh, over, um, well, it was way back in, or not, yes, it was way back in the, uh, the autumn, October 1995. And it comes from a transcript of this radio conversation between a U.S. Navy ship and the Canadian authorities. So the Americans uh, said, please divert your course 15 degrees north to avoid a collision. Over. The Canadians replied, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees south to avoid collision. Over. The Americans, this is the captain of the U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Over. The Canadians, no, I say again, divert your course. Over. The Americans, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the U.S. Atlantic Fleet. Our battle group includes three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. That is one, five degrees north. Or countermeasures will be taken to ensure the safety of this ship. Over. To which the Canadians replied, we are a lighthouse. Over. Now, it is very important, isn't it, that we recognise who we are, who Jesus is, and where the authority lies, and who's got to move. And in our lives, we need to move. We need to learn, we need to move, and we want to learn more about Jesus and to live our lives for him. So learn about this possibly unknown king. Learn about the king who we would like to know a little bit better, maybe, than we do now. Understand Jesus and his teaching. Make it your life's work. May it never be said uh, on our dying day that Jesus was the king that we never really knew. And then the third thing is this. Adjust to the lifelong king. Adjust to the lifelong king. And just briefly, verse 11. This is very strange, isn't it, in some ways? Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts and looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve, where he stayed. It's just a massive anticlimax, isn't it? A massive anticlimax. But he'll be back. And we'll see more of that this evening. Do uh, uh, come online again for this evening's service. But the people here in, in Mark 11, they've got to learn and they've got to, they've got to change. And at the temple, they have to change. Their religion has to change. And with COVID-19, us too, we need to learn. And we've had to learn and change, haven't we? We've, got to, we've learned social distancing. Um, we've learned about, or we're learning about um, how we can do church best. Uh, wasn't it fun at the prayer meeting on uh, Wednesday? 114 people showed up to pray. That's the number of faces I counted. And, uh, uh, um, but then there's no point in learning without the change as well. There's no point in learning about two metres apart, uh, but not doing it. 
we actually need to learn and then put it into practice. We must adapt. We must change. That's what we've got to do. We've got to learn about, you know, when we're being, when we're self-isolating, what that actually means and put it into practice. We've got to make sure that we're, we're not going out, um, um, maybe as much as we are now. We need to, we need to learn and change, don't we? Same in the Christian life. Learn and change about Jesus. He is the life changing King. Um, it really changed with Jesus out of all recognition. I mean, after Jesus, uh, uh, the temple was never the same again. They needed to learn and their religion needed to change. It didn't. And less than 40 years later, uh, all was destroyed. We need to learn and change. Jesus is a true king, not just a, um, a constitutional monarch, but a true king. And we need to learn and change, find out more about him and learn and be growing in our Christian lives and be willing and urgently praying uh, for those we know and for all of us that we would be able to cope and manage in these difficult times of COVID-19. But this is now our opportunity. This is now uh, today, this week, this Easter, the time of this pandemic This is our opportunity to marvel at the peaceful and eternity-changing King. That's our opportunity. It's our opportunity to learn about this possibly unknown King. And it's also our opportunity to adjust to this life-changing King. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you really are, and we pray simply that we may grow to, uh, to and learn more of you and grow to love you more and more. Wherever we stand with you, Lord, please help us to, uh, to know you better and to grow to love you more and to marvel at your wonderful and extraordinary kingship that you came to die for us. For your name's sake, we pray. Amen.